0: team. you're listening to MLB.com extras brought to you by MLB.TV. It's baseball everywhere.
1: hello everybody thanks for tuning in once again I'm Anthony Kaman this is our White Sox podcast. with the fabulous Scott Merck and Merck uh, White Sox uh, what else is new best record in the American League four and two home stand they sweep the twins. This is looking pretty real, sir. Yeah, I will say, not as a disclaimer, but just as a point of fact, the Twins are not a good baseball team. And, and they're also, you know, it's in like each inning, there was a new announcement over a Twin player who was out of the game. So <laughs> it was a rough time for the Twins. But, hey, when you're well, in that's first place. team they struggled with last in... year. What did you say? That's the team they struggled against last year. Yeah, no, I was going to say, when when you're in first place and when you're, you know, cruising like they are. You're supposed to win those games. That's what you do, and they did. And and really, you know, I I was there all three games, and there was very little time in the weekend where you thought, well, the Sox are in trouble here, and that's a more testament to the Sox, and the Twins struggling. Yeah, I don't want to take anything away from the Sox. They're playing great baseball. Matter of fact, I would go as far as saying right now,
0: even in 32
1: games, this is really a bold prediction, but I would be surprised if this is not a playoff game this year. Just the way, now that's Throwing a caveat in that no, you know, main guys or any key guys get hurt on this team or anything like that. I mean, I know they're going to hit slumps. I know there's going to be, you know, six out of seven, ten out of twelve losses at some point. Hell, the the uh, World Series team from 2005 lost seven or eight in a row down the stretch in, in September at one point and still hung on and you know cruised to the title. But this is a team that just is in command right now. They're they're dominant pitching, dominant defense. Timely hitting and just having fun, and it's it's hard to top that right now. That's something I thought about Merck, and and we're getting way ahead of ourselves. But that'll clearly be a storyline going into September. Is is the organization's history of of rough September's uh, past and, and how they overcome that if it is a tight race, but. a season, winning each of his first seven decisions since Brandon Webb started out 9-0 and in 2008, and we talked about him last week, Merck, uh, you know, being a little more efficient and getting deeper into games, and I know that was a, a subject once again after his most recent start, uh, taking a little bit off the fastball, and um, but going deeper into games, and obviously uh, working well for him. Yeah, I think he he's one of five White Sox pitchers to win at least his first seven. I believe I remember the stat right. Eddie Jacati, that's how you pronounce his last name. I I did not cover him. He was back in the early nineteen hundreds. Has the uh franchise record at twelve straight starts. the, start the and, Hey, the way he's going, the way the team's going, don't put anything past Chris Sale. But you know, interesting, he had, I, I had a real good talk. I mean, you, you you never have a bad talk with Chris Sale just because of who he is and his kind of grasp on baseball and the game itself, but I talked to him before his last start about this slight dip in velocity and how that was planned and how he realizes that if he's throwing 106 pitches, he doesn't have to throw 100 of them at full full bore, full strength. And, you know, he, he just feels better doing this now. And one of the other things he pointed out was he feels like he's more mature on the mound now, throwing less pitches in anger. You know, he's a passionate kid, and that's what makes him, one of the many things that makes him so good. Well, he kind of changed a little bit in the first inning on, on Saturday when he hit two guys and... Didn't get a uh, 3-2 check swing that ended up, I believe, hitting Park. And kind of lost it a little bit. Not lost it as it went nuts, but at one point when he uh, forced it run with a hit batsman, got the throwback for the umpire, grabbed the ball, and kind of hit himself in the head twice with the baseball. He laughed afterwards and said he does not know why he does that, but when he gets upset, he wants to hurt himself. I don't know. That's probably a, another topic for another podcast at some point. But <laughs> all that aside... Once the first inning was over he was lights out they had I think two base runners the rest of the night over the next six innings and you know there's a reason he's one of the best pitchers in baseball because he can adjust because he can have those moments still and just go right back to work and get it done so yeah he, you know we were joking yesterday we were talking about it Jake Arrieta had a kind of a uh, un- unlikely start or un- uncharacteristic start for him and the game becomes one of the next innings as the nationals and we were saying you know you're so used to these guys doing well that it's a, a shock when they don't or if they're not right on target, you know, they're going to lose at some point. And we kind of looked at each other and said, maybe Sale won't lose for a while. Maybe he'll start 50, you know, who knows. But yeah, he's just doing everything, everything right right now and just, you know, and, and doing it in a, in a more, uh, just uh, kind of relaxed, economical fashion than he had in the past. Uh, he's been terrific. You know, who was not terrific was John Danks. And, Merck, when we, we spoke last week, it sounded like he uh, get at least one more start. Yeah, uh, but since we last spoke, obviously the news came down that he was designated for assignment, and obviously that that said a lot about uh, the White Sox confidence moving forward with him or lack thereof, uh, because of how much money they owe him. Uh, I believe it's about 13 million still owed to him for the rest of the season. So that's a big swallow. Uh, but uh, 11, 9 11.9. 11, 11.9 is exactly what. 11.9. I okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I rounded up. But uh, <laughs> yeah, what, do you, what do you make of that move? Well, as, as I've said on in every interview done on this topic and just what I wrote about is first of all, great kid. You know, what, one of the better kids you'll cover, very respectful. Uh, big influence in that clubhouse. Ask Chris Sale about it and Carlos Rodan, the influence he had on them. And, you know, one, one of the more iconic, if not the most iconic game in White Sox history, in the, uh, the blackout game of 2008 when they beat the Twins in the playoff game, one nothing to win the division and go to the playoffs against the Rays. But the bottom line is, and we talked to him the day after this was announced, you know, it's a business and he was not doing the job and this the Sox, this is a big year for them you know this is the year they kind of were supposed to have last year in this kind of revamping process and they're for lack of a better phrase and this phrase didn't work for them a few years ago but they're all in and they're they're just not waiting around and they felt like they had options that gave them a better chance he did not want to go to the miners which is his right which is just interesting because I think you know if he does sign a contract somewhere down the line here he probably will sign a minor league deal you know, I think it was just time for him for a change. As Don Cooper said, new voice, new words, just kind of a new scenario for him. And they're going to see what happens now with uh, Miguel Gonzalez getting that shot at number five for a little bit. Carson Palmer waiting in the wings down the line, maybe July, something like that. And, you know, looking at other pitchers, they had Kenny Williams and Ken Linsky work out also. So they're not, you know, leaving any stone unturned, not to use a cliche there, but I will. And uh, it, it, it's sad in one sense because, like I said, really good game great organization guy, but just was just was not the same after that shoulder surgery in 2012. Well, I right, said so at the top of the podcast, you know, this is starting to feel pretty real, and uh, when you make a move like that, that's as you said, that's when you signal that you are all in, and this is real, and you, know, you are a, a contender, and not a team uh, content to take our chances every fifth day, so that said a lot, and uh, see what happens moving forward with the rotation, but uh, offensively, Merc, Jose Abreu has come alive the last couple of weeks, and uh, I saw his teammates uh, had his back uh, when Trevor May got a little too close for comfort there. Uh, uh, I believe that was Friday's game against the Twins. But uh, talk about Abreu and and his surge here of late. Well, I think you know there's nothing really to pinpoint except he's swinging at pitches more in the zone again, and and the fact is that he's just a good hitter, and you just knew it was going to come around. He said he had been you know watching some video and and realizing that. You know, he needed to kind of restrict his his strikes on here, which is really Todd. You know, people are talking about the more patient White Sox this year. And, excuse me. And the funny thing is, it's not really Todd Steverson's philosophy is to you know work the count, work the count. He's more on <clears throat> be ready to hit whenever you're up there, find your pitch and go after it, whether it's the first pitch or the sixth pitch or whatever. And I think the key thing for a brave, and, and you've heard this, Anthony. The key thing for any great hitter is. Whether they're 19 for 20 or 1 for 20, is they don't change. You know, they don't switch their approach. They don't switch their stance. They don't switch what they're up there doing. They stick with it, knowing that it's going to come through. And that's exactly what happened to the Brave. And again, a picture of the character this kid has is, you know, he he reacts on Friday, understandably so. It probably doesn't feel real really good getting plunked in the left side with a 97 mile an hour fastball. Gets a little upset. You know, nothing really happens of the argument there and then afterwards apologizes to the organization for being out of character, which I think he's allowed to be every now and then, <laughs> especially when you take a 97-mile-an-hour fastball on the rim. If there's ever a moment to be a little out of character, I think that's one that gets you a little bit of a grace period there. Yeah, he's really been impressive uh, ever since he arrived from Cuba. and I, you know, He's kind of been a, a good spokesman, for for lack of a better term, for the White Sox. Uh, yeah, I have no uh, idea where in. they would be if they didn't get him. I mean, you know, that really was... Yeah. The, you know, Avi Garcia trade where Jake TV went to the Red Sox and Iglesias went to the Tigers, that was kind of the start of this plan by Rick Hahn, but Abreu was the key linchpin. If they didn't get him, if he would have gone to the Astros or the Red Sox or the Rockies or wherever else was still fitting on him, I'm not sure where the Sox would be at this point right now. Oh, well, the Sox are in first place. So are the Cubs in uh, yeah, the commission town last week, Merck, and uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred, he, he said that this is great for baseball, you know, uh, a major market two competitive clubs like this. What have, what have you thought of what's going on in Chicago here this first uh, five or six weeks of the season? I mean, it's pretty amazing. I, I really, in my lifetime, I can't remember another time where it was it was like this. Now, you know, 08, they both had very good teams. They both went to the playoffs, and they both went uh, <clears throat> went out in the first round that year. The, the Cubs, I think, had like a 96 or 97 win team, and the Sox had to fight through injuries down the stretch to get in. They lost all those in that last month. So, it wasn't quite the same deal, but I mean, you look at things now, and again, still so early. What is it, 32 for the uh, Sox and 30 games for the Cubs? I mean, things could change in the next 20 games for all we know, but if they don't, right now you look at it and you say, man, these are the two best teams in their respective leagues, there's no question about it. Right now, there's really, you know, I think the Cubs show, they took seven in a row what from the Pirates and the Nationals, who would probably be two and three in whatever order behind. Oh, I guess the Mets are up there, too, in the National League, but right, right there in the top four or five picture, and you know, the Sox, I don't really see any team that, that is that close to them right now. I think the National League has more teams that are that are worse at the bottom, but they also have better teams at the top. You know what I'm saying? There's yeah. more excellent teams. And the, and the American League has some, doesn't have any teams that are saying, well, we're in full rebuild. But I don't think there's as many great teams at the top in the American League, too. So, as of right now, everyone's looking at that, you know, that red line World Series and Booking hotels in October in Chicago, but you know we'll see. We'll see how both teams, even if you know both teams, let's say carry this out and go into the playoffs, and favorites doesn't necessarily mean that they're both going to get there. But it's, it's an interesting type to trouble, especially when the Bulls not making the playoffs and the Hawks going out in the first round. Besides yeah. so the Bears draft and their mini camp coming up, it's all baseball right now in Chicago. It's a baseball town. And uh, pleased to catch up with the King of Chicago, Scott Merkin, and talk about that. We'll continue to check with him each week. Thanks for tuning in. it has been MLB.com Extra Chicago
0: White Sox edition.